This is Fireground Action Photography, episode 38 for Father's Day, June 21st, 2009. This week, Ted Pendergast and Timothy Tons are on hand to talk about Craig's new video camera, photographing fireworks displays, and an ethical discussion on posting images on the web. Hi, this is Leo Laporte of Twit. I want to make sure you keep listening to Craig Derling and Fireground Action Photography. It's on fire! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling, and I am your host. Joining me in base camp today, as always, legendary Legend in his own mind type legendary Southern California photographer Ross A. Benson. Welcome back, Ross. Craig, how the heck are you? What do you think of this weather? I, I like weather. It's Southern California. We don't get weather. Yesterday so it's raining. was 80. I, I was know. sweating all day. I had bandana on. Today it's raining. I have the bandana on just to keep the rain out of my rain glasses. Up. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it. We don't get a lot of weather down here. Is this weather? It's normally like living in a mall. So hey, I don't mind a little drizzle now and then. I wanted to remind you. When this comes out, it'll be Father's Day. and That's right. Happy Father's Day. Thank you You're very much. You're a father. <laughs> and right. all the fathers out there, happy That's Father's right. Day. That's Take right. the day off. It's amazing because Father's Day, you have barbecues and stuff. The father ends up doing all the work anyway. Well, I do have you get to get the barbecue awesome. going. And, well, your Sundays are your busy day anyway. Yeah. That's a, you're, yeah, you work one day a week. <laughs> no, you work quite a bit. Several but Sunday busy. is busy for you. Well, joining us uh, this week... Out there in Cyberland, in Skype land, uh, from Boston, Massachusetts, Ted Pendergast. Welcome back, sir. It's been a few shows. Good to be here. And from Colorado. It's a busy day for him. It's weathering out heavily in Colorado, and that's his business. It's Timothy Tons. Welcome back, sir. Hello from Colorado, and yes, it's been an active uh, weather season out here. In fact, just two, three, well, earlier this week, saw an F2 tornado out my window, so I haven't been very far away. Wow, okay. Real weather, huh? Those, when you can look out your window and see a tornado, that's when you, you know, ADM, okay. ADM. But uh, just a disclaimer, Tim might have to leave at some point during the show because he his business is weather prediction and uh and forecasting, so it being busy there, you might be called away at any moment, right? Yeah, we're keeping an eye on it, and hopefully we can uh, we can jump in from time to time. You know, Tim, yesterday out here on the West Coast, they showed a, uh, I guess, a father and a son who decided to go out do a little weather hunting, and uh, one of these tornadoes, he was pretty close to it, and power lines were blown up, and the kids going, Dad, that's kind of cool, and I wonder what they told mom when they got back home, because you know the kid probably ratted on the old man. Yeah, don't tell mom. <laughs> yeah, right. So, But uh, it was footage out here on probably quite a few of the channels. Yeah, but if anybody wants to see what Timothy Tons does, uh website there is skyviewweather.com, or is it skyviewwx.com? skyview-wx.com or skyviewweather.com, both work. Okay, excellent. So if you want to see what he's up to right now, you can uh, you can go to that URL. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. We do have a Facebook uh, page for the podcast here. It's Fireground Action Photography, if you want to find that. Uh, within a couple of weeks here, we should have the quick URL, because Facebook has now uh, allowed quick URLs. You can have your own name, you know, facebook.com slash whatever, uh, to navigate directly to pages. So uh, in a week or two here, hopefully uh, the podcast will have one of those, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll distribute that to everybody. But you can find us there. You'll see episodic informa- information, and you can 
upload your pictures and you can have discussions there if you want. It's another place to go. We also have the uh, the Flickr uh, group where you can submit pictures for critique. You can talk about joining any of the, I think we have about 64 or 65 ongoing discussions right now. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Also, uh, Fireground Action Photography t-shirts have been going out the door like crazy. And Ross is either taking his clothes off right now or about to show me his t-shirt. Ah, yes. Uh, but there are some left, so if you want to get your Fireground Photo t-shirt, uh, just go to firegroundaction.com. You'll see on the lower uh, right-hand side of the screen there, you'll see a, uh, a thing to click on to purchase your t-shirt. And uh, you can just use a credit card, PayPal, however you want to do it through there. And we'll get that t-shirt out to you. You know, the, the t-shirts are great to, uh, to buy one or two, Craig, because uh, as your night gear, as you have all your stuff ready to go, you know, if you have one of those Fireground Action t-shirts laying next to your pants ready to go, you don't have to go find a, t- you know, a clean t-shirt or whatever. Boom, boom, wrap it up, and you're out the door. Yeah, have one, have one going, one standing by at all times. And, and if you buy two, if one comes back really stinky, you still have a clean one for the next day. Well, won't we won't get it in the mail, Stinky? I promise you it'll promise. be perfectly clean. <laughs> but these uh, they're like work T-shirts, like your station T-shirts. They say Fireground uh, Photographer or Photo on the back to help identify you and distinguish you at a fire scene. So if you want to grab one of those up, go ahead and do that. Fourth um, of July is coming up next two weeks. In yep. two weeks, but it's just before our next show, so we thought we'd uh, touch on a couple of 4th of July-type topics, photography-related. Uh, one is photographing fireworks. Uh, I think uh, most of us uh, on the show here have photographed fireworks in the past. Um, some of us, I know Ross and myself, we've photographed them for various uh, fire and police departments, meaning we have some of their apparatus in the foreground. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how to go about doing that, the technique, maybe how to set up a shot or two. And then we'll probably talk about a little bit of uh, 4th of July safety. And fire prevention. If, if fire prevention, if your department out there uh, asks you to uh, take a few PR pictures uh, related to firework safety, fire prevention, or uh, maybe the uh, lawful part of it. Uh, Ross just had an assignment from a local paper to do that, so we'll talk about that. But first, let's talk about photographing. Fireworks. There's technique involved in that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it, you know, program automatic will not work for that. <laughs> Typically, uh, we don't want to glaze over the technique real quick, but uh, it's a basic manual time exposure type photography. It's going to be dark. Uh, you typically want a longer exposure so you get more bursts in definitely. there. You know, you're going to have an open shutter for 30 seconds or a minute, depending on the volume of the fireworks going off, the ambient light going on but with digital it's great because you can see immediately what kind of result you're getting if you need to lengthen the exposure uh, and make any adjustments but the point is it's all time exposure right well that's uh, something you brought up uh when you shoot fireworks let's, let's even back up from there got to have a tripod don't try oh, to handhold absolutely you know and take Under, that lens cap off and a remote. It gets real dark. <laughs> that's a start and a cable remote you were just remote say. trigger remote trigger and uh some of the things Verticals work sometimes better than horizontals, um, and I have found putting it on bulb, bring a black card with you or something you can just cover your lens with, leave it open. You want to get two or three bursts. You can watch when they go up. Don't fire it off or don't uncover your lens just as you hear the boom. You want to wait till it's up in the air. Take that black card away from your lens. You can get four or five bursts in one shot. 
that looks really good. Close it down. So not, not, you don't want to get the initial burst. You want to get it a cup, maybe a second or two later when the color, colorful uh, the, array the is, is spread yeah, out. Right, exactly, right. the array. Because you get that tail going up with no burst. That's not right. fireworks. And, some, and that initial burst can be too bright. You can have oh. this bright white dot in the middle of your shot, yeah. and it takes away from everything yep. else. Yep. But, and uh, those are you – know, the tripod is a real important thing. And it's a must. Um, if you're going to go to a show, most shows last 20 minutes at a minimum. So you don't have to fire off, you know, go crazy the first few minutes. Take a look at what you have. If you're, And it's always nice to put something in the foreground because if you just have fireworks up there, I mean, you can do that. But um, – Right. If you're it's for, much like uh, storm chasing or lightning photography. You want something in the foreground for scale, perspective, uh, to yep. see how big they are. I know in shots I've taken in the past, um, I've had the chance uh, here in Burbank to, to have a water-dropping helicopter waiting on the pad in the foreground uh, and that they've used a couple of times because the fireworks have started some brush going, and that's why they had this on standby. Um, a fire engine, a police command post with a police car in front of it, and the departments really appreciate these. They're on, these pictures are on the walls in all the stations uh, that I've that I've of the agencies I've taken these for because they're they're neat pictures if you you get them right. Um, not a lot of departments get these kinds of pictures. Yeah, and one of the things you just said, look at how you have it laid out. You got to remember, if you're real close, that fireworks is going to be over your head and behind you. You True. can't put the foreground, and so you're not going to want to shoot it with a wide angle lens. You know, real wide because it's you can't put it together. You back off some, so you can mm -hmm. put that shot in, and um, when that'll you, help compress the background too. It'll if you have exactly. a lot of separation of distance. And we might ask Tim's advice on this because he shoots at Nikon camera with the super high uh, ISO setting. Um, now, whenever I've shot fireworks, I still keep that ISO setting quite low. I don't. Uh, I keep it four hundred. You know, so you get some saturation, uh, but it doesn't mm -hmm. blow out the reds and the colors. Tim, uh, have you ever shot any fireworks yet? Well, not since I've had the newer uh, the newer camera. I picked that up uh, in the uh, fall. So if I manage to get out uh, this this next Fourth of July here in a week or two, uh, it would be the first first try. But you know, one one thing I was thinking as you were describing that with the higher ISO capable cameras. Uh, it is possible to actually start working personnel in. You use a fill flash on a tripod, flash the uh, personnel up, up up close in their turnout gear or wildland gear, and then perhaps do a five-second high ISO uh, high ISO shot. And in that way, the flash lightens up the uh, the folks, and the uh, five-second high ISO exposure captures the uh, the f fireworks. Oh, good point. Real, real, real good point. And and I find those shots that we have done for many years, um, the different don't get locked into one one burst or one position. You usually have time to move around. Um, real important, you know. And also be prepared if one of those bursts don't go off, they're probably going to have a brush fire or grass fire wherever they're firing them off because they come down to the ground. Don't lay out a ton of gear and have your equipment where you can't wrap up and right. Well, and keep an eye on where it's going because there is debris that come that falls from those. So if you're yeah. within the safety zone, which if you're with a department, you may be within that. That you you're looking almost straight up sometimes. Well, so you, have, you don't want to be that close nope. for the fireworks no, for safety don't. reasons. But you're not going to. There's no shot there. If you're if they're ha going off over your head, 
there's no shot to be had. Right. But I've used painting. Uh, we've talked about painting with light. And with the helicopter shots, the rig shots, that's what I've done is I've had the, you know, the foreground isn't necessarily going to be lit if you have a rig in front. Um, and I just have a flashlight or a floodlight or something, and I'll with that, you know, that shutter open, I'll I'll paint the rig, whatever it was. I don't want to do it. I don't want to overdo it because I don't want it to look art completely artificial. Right. You want it to look. You want it to be subtle. And don't forget, you have that reflective material on some rigs. Police cars have them on decals now. Fire trucks, uh, fire engines have that stripe on them. Right. So if you're doing painting it, What's you're nice, going to get kickback. That, and if you can lock your shutter open and step away from your camera yep. and and paint with light, you may avoid some of those the reflections. Angle, getting it, and what right. you mean by that is if you don't have that uh, light source right over your lens. So if you're going to paint it with light, hold it a foot away. And I think that's what you were meaning there. Yeah, right. very true. Very that's true. a good question. And I also, actually... Um, um, no, I was just going to say I, I I was wondering that myself. I mean, it would seem that that if you're sh- if you're shining the light relatively close to the lens, um, that you're going to get more coming back from the reflective material versus maybe offsetting you know a few feet away and and doing it that way. My question though on that is, what is your light source? I mean, using using a particularly bright flashlight, and when you're painting the truck, are you trying to get the entire uh, the entire truck, helicopter, whatever it happens to be, or are you just doing kind of detail points on it? Um, the, the question is, because Ross lost his headphones for a second there, is when you're painting with light, are you lighting the entire apparatus? Or are you trying to focus on different points on the apparatus? And I've done both. Because yeah. what's nice with the fireworks, especially at the beginning, is there's a lot of pause between each burst. So you have enough time to kind of look and evaluate your shot um, with uh, the helicopters, with the engines. I'll do an overall kind of just blanket it with some light. And then if I look at it and I see that it's dropping out somewhere, like sometimes if it's at an angle and the rear of the rig is further away from you, you'll need some additional light thrown on that on that end of the rig to even it out. And even the foreground, paint the ground, you know, 10, 15 feet in front of it. If you want it, some so, of the yeah, environment, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, fireworks is just, it. they look great. You know, I have shot them. I've had them published in papers. I've uh, printed stuff. Uh, like you say, you've had covers. I think every year we see a new cover or everybody Somebody else has done it. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, looking forward to this July 4th because I do have an assignment of shooting it. Now, this year I'm not going to be up where the helicopters are. I'm going to be in the bowl shooting out. So it'll be a little different. They where do it in print, the concert, they have the concert. Right. Yeah. But go right. out and try it. Try it. And, and one thing to consider is the uh, wind direction uh, because after a few of those bursts, you're going to have some smoke. And sometimes, if you're if the smoke is between you and the fireworks, uh, that'll clutter your shot. Um, if there's a lot of smoke or fog or low cloud cover, all you'll have is the colorful glowing. Right. Well, the in, smoke will the smoke bank down. And a minute ago, you said, Craig, the safety. If you're that close, and years ago, I was literally taken up with one of the pyrotechs. That was when they lit it with a flare. Right. They would go from canister to canister. Now it's all. Uh, controlled electronically away from it. But if you're, even if you're with a department, make sure that pyrotech that is in charge of the show, probably also your fire marshal or whoever is a relationship between the guy firing and your department, make sure you know, and they know who you are. You don't want to get too close because I've seen those cans go off right in front of them. Or they'll sometimes the mortars tip over Yep, and they end up getting launched exactly. in a particular direction. Yeah. Um, but, but chances are to get the better photographs, this isn't something you need to be right up close to. You're not going to get the shot, get some distance. There's no need 
to be within the tape or within the safety zone just because. Yeah, the shot is not if it coming out of that. Right. Mortar. There's no shot up close. Right. So so get some distance, find some foreground, get go a quarter mile away, go down the block and get some kids wa- you know ooh ah looking up at them or Look something at it before. or being lit by the fire fireworks and Yeah, know scope where it out. you're going, scope it out. That's yeah. a, that's a word. Go day before. Look they I guarantee they'll have laid out or chalked out or marked where they're going to do it. Kind of look for a hill or a parking yeah. lot or something that you can maybe safely... a nice meadow or a park where you know people are going to lay out blankets and sit and watch yep. and they can make some for some great shots. But don't uh, make sure your colors don't get washed out because you know if it's all a big white burst, it's not very interesting. What what draws people to fireworks shots is the colors. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of our listeners' uh, results on the Flickr page. Um, if they get anything sure. good, put them up. Let's see. Uh, and if you have anything that you think you've shot before, throw them up. Let other people see what we're talking about. Um, it's a great way to get an idea um, of what other people are doing and go, God, I didn't even think of that. You know. And then on the other side of that, Craig, as we talked about the fire prevention, um, you know, I this week I have to shoot a shot. Uh, fireworks in the city of Burbank, where we are located, are totally illegal. Safe and sane firecrackers, even these little tiny poppers you buy at the, you know, uh, little stores, technically and legally, those are illegal. Well, what happens is outside of Burbank, there's jurisdictions that allow fireworks. Right. So knuckleheads go out and buy them in the desert. Yeah, go up to Palmdale or something and they get where you won't truck, burn anything. Truckloads of them. Yeah, you won't burn anything out there. And then they truck back to Burbank and, oh, I'll put them in the middle of my street. And in the last 30 years, I've shot hands blown off. I've shot eyes, uh, sparklers being thrown in people's eyes. Those are the shots that, you know, you hate to shoot, but that's the other end of it. So I have to shoot a shot this week. And I, I my concept of what I have to think of, do, fireworks are illegal in Burbank. You know, so I'm I'm thinking of a shot of somebody with homeless fireworks that they'll confiscate. The fire department every year comes up with several hundred pounds of fireworks that they confiscate and get somebody cuffed up, you know, next to a police car or a fire investigator. Um, that or shoot a roof fire. I don't know how many roof fires I've shot. You know, these guys, oh, that bottle rocket won't hurt your roof. You got a shake roof or a wooden roof. You're in trouble. Yeah, there's always a good show downtown too. Down South Central LA, they they have them out in the streets. And We've you, gone. usually what appear to be professional shows down there. Who knows where they get the stuff? But yeah. uh, so th- that's the other end of it of uh, shooting yeah. fireworks. And then uh, afterwards, it's a great PR shot. Ask your fire investigator um, if you um, if they're going to confiscate stuff. Put it all together. Normally they'll take it back and they have to log it and book it in as evidence if they ever go to court. You want a shot, not for this year. But maybe for next year. Yeah, this is something you want to set up in advance and, right. and make arrangements with uh, your local department. Don't rush to get it done this year. You just go out, scope out some good angles, and uh, just practice with that available light or painting with light and, and start and shoot the fireworks. It's a great opportunity to shoot something different if you never have before. So on, on that note, Craig, safe and sane. Yep. Uh, we don't want to see any of our photographers get hurt. And uh, no. to you guys from back in Boston where they wrote the Declaration of Independence and so forth. Did they write that in Boston? Oh, I thought that's what we Might heard. Might have been Philadelphia. <laughs> well, some know. of those folks yeah. were from were from, they were the from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crack a book, Ross, for crying right. out loud. <laughs> have a great July 4th. Everybody, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of the Flickr group, great place to post your uh, questions you have or stories or, or just experiences you've had in the field. Um, before we get to that, 
That was a mistimed tease. We have an email we want to go over real quick from a listener uh, who recommends a nifty website if you happen to be in the Northern California area. Okay. You know, Craig, you handed me this, and I did see it. Um, Hi, guys. Actually, it's from Spencer Nash is his name. Uh, Hi, Spencer. I think uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, and especially thank you for sending us an email. I think he's going to UC Santa Barbara. Is that Uh, It does say that actually UC Santa Barbara. In fact, I'll read that here. Let me uh, get into it here. Uh, Hi, guys. I listened to to a bunch of podcasts and find it all pretty interesting. I'm not a fire photographer now, but may just have to take up the hobby after hearing you guys. I'm in college right now. Actually, UC Santa Barbara. You read this before I did, I think. I think I did. Um, I've been there before. Oh, you have? Yeah. On a note, on that note, I just wanted to point out a website, which is www.firedispatch.com. And we'll put that in the show notes for anyone in Northern California. It lists currently dispatch calls for a few departments as soon as the units are en route. Also, it can fire off emails or text messages for certain kind of calls. Wow, that's kind of like... I think Brian Humphrey from LA City does and so forth. Uh, keep up the quality show. It, it's gotten me interested in a new kind of photography. That's uh, that's for sure. Cool. Spencer Nash. Well, Spencer, thank you very much thank for you, Spencer. Uh, the email. Yeah, and I have checked out firedispatch.com. I was playing with it a bit today. It's You have to register, but it's free to register with this. Uh, if you're in the Northern California area, this may uh, be very informative to you. Uh, you know, I actually uh, clicked. There's a live ticker on here um that actually it, it, it's it's uh, a real time you can put up here i think it disappeared off here it is there are four active incidents going on right now and you just keep this little window on the corner of your uh, monitor going and you can see all these incidents uh, dispatches and incidents that are ongoing uh, locations rig assignments the city uh, all that stuff but you can get uh, the real-time incident information you can get uh, get them on your pager. You can get them on your phone. You can get them as emails, uh, and it's great. And the uh, I'm trying to see where yeah, it's Northern California. Uh, I'm trying to find where what counties I lost it. Had it somewhere. Top right corner. There we go. The drop down. Thank you, Ted. Uh, San Mateo County, Santa Cruz County, San Ramon Valley, Palo Alto, Yolo County. Uh, they'll probably be adding more. But what you'll find if you surf the web, uh, you have a lot more of these popping up as technology comes around. Uh, you can also hear the uh, live streaming, of the uh, the audio, the radio traffic from these agencies if you register. Uh, so there might be one of these in your part of the world. If you're in Northern California, uh, check this out. If you didn't know it existed already, it's absolutely free. And they have a lot of options available to you. But things like this and IPN and, and Twitter are, are really starting to, to – come to the forefront for incident notification like this well you were telling me a show or so ago that now with your fancy iphone i'm a blackberry guy you're with your iphone there's that application that you downloaded that you could hear streaming of emergency radio and they're adding stuff all the time they're adding agencies all the time they just added a big uh, lapd list and they're digital so you you know you can anywhere in the world you can now listen to lapd i sometimes at night i'll have it going with my hometown departments uh, back in Massachusetts, there's a whole area that they have all the surrounding agencies of uh, where I grew up. And I can listen to people I know on the radio talking about streets, I recall, and all that. It's it's pretty cool. That's uh, emergency radio. Okay. That's an iPhone app if and you're looking for that's one. that's something. If you, we've, all of us have been shooting 
fire service emergency, you know, and emergency photography and police and so forth. You've listened to scanners for how many years? You know, you've listened to uh, everything from Adam 12 to emergency to all those. And, uh, you know, I, I don't even hear it anymore. No, it's in the background. You it's know, like white noise. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same with you, Ted, especially since you spend your, your days on the radio as well. Is A lot of stuff is just in the background. And if something sounds important, for somehow your brain picks it out of the clutter and you and you hear it. Is that – I mean, I'm sure oh, that happens with you. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of a fun game or entertainment because you'll – I just – I forget the radios are on. Yeah. And then you'll be having a conversation with somebody and say, ah, quiet, women. And they turn the radio <laughs> and like, how did you hear that? And like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just there. Yeah, you well, grow we a filter. I think exactly. it's in the frontal lobe somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah it, Exactly. I remember driving somewhere with my son, who has listened to radios all his life, so he's real aware of it. And I'll have a friend in the car, and we'll be driving somewhere, and my son will put his hand up, and the guy will think my son's choking or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just because we want to hear the call. And I'll tell you, I've heard everything 187, murders be dispatched, greater alarms, you know, plane crashes, that voice. Yeah, there's something that there's something that changes about the tone or of the voice or something. I I love tones when they tone things out, you know, like in Boston, you know, after what is it midnight or something, it's striking the box. Yeah, you know, oh, perk up, perk up, you perk up, and you just you just learn after enough time listening to the radios, whether it's the tone in voices or, or uh, you know, the the just a general traffic changing. It's something about it just draws your attention. Well, to it. it's funny because with Brian Humphrey with LA city fire, when he's working and I believe he's a B shifter, if I recall, right. Um, he'll put out a, tw- uh, a twit. I mean, how quick while they're responding, Don't say twit. I know, Leo will be Leo would be upset. He would be getting a letter. Where's Leo. Oh, um, yeah, he would. I'm sorry. Uh, a Twitter, um, a tweet. Of a, a responding uh, incident. Oh, God. We're adults and we're using words like this. This is a whole new language. But I'll tell you, it is a, where we're going technology-wise, where you can be responding and get an update on your iPhone, you know, uh, pretty soon yeah. we're going to be watching video from the front of an engine. Well, that would put out a, us out of business, but <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Speaking of video, I got a new toy. I mean, tool. <laughs> Uh, you know, no, we talked about it right the first time. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, if, you, if it's a toy, you can write off. It's a tool. I'm sorry. That is smaller <laughs> than the cup you're drinking. Out it's of. the size of basically a soda can is this new video camera I got. But it was, uh, you know, we talked to Al Simmons, um, on the last show. We did. Who, uh, is a very successful videographer in the fire arena. Um, and I'd been lingering, been wanting to shoot more video and just didn't have a camera that really could, could stand up to the test uh, at shooting. You, you know, mean your G9 fire. wasn't good enough at that last one? No, I still have spots all over the sensor from soot getting in there at the brush fire. But uh, but uh, talking to Al, he, he, you know, he helped me, pushed me, gave me a nudge, and I pulled the trigger, and I got the latest and greatest from Canon. It is the HFS-10. Uh, and this is a great little camera. I, I just got it like a day or two ago, but this thing... Is something else. If you um, guys could only see how Craig is handling this new camera, you would think it was a baby that just was born. Caressing it. Purr, <laughs> purr, purr. He had to take it out off of, of its little pedestal. Can you hear it? Say hi. Say hi. <laughs> oh, they shy. But, Ted, can you believe? <laughs> you know, Craig is going to video. And well, yeah, no, I'm not going to video. I'm incorporating video. 
I'm but now wait, wait. It. Tell us how many megapixel for this. Well, what see this is a, a great feature. Of this it shoots high def. It's the size of a soda cam. Uh, it shoots high def video. It's got a built-in pop-up strobe and video light. It's got a hot shoe, so you can uh, put. A, I got a, ordered a shotgun mic to put on this. You could put a light on it. It's got a variable zoom. Uh, it's high def, like I said. It fits in the palm of your hand. But what r- really I, attracted me to this thing is it takes stills, digital stills, eight megapixel stills on this wow. thing. And and the deal maker maker for me was I've always had issues, and, and a lot of people out there probably have had the same issue. Is when you're shooting video at a scene, you're thinking the entire time, "Oh, that'd make a great picture. Oh, that'd make a great picture." This before with these kind of cameras, you had to make up your mind: are you shooting video or are you taking stills with it? You couldn't do both at the same time. On this camera, the HFS10, you can do both at the same time. I can be shooting high definition video, right, with this, and at the same time while I'm shooting video, I can be Cranking off eight megapixel stills at the now, same time. I'm just curious, and you're going to have to play with that. Probably go out in the uh, the back forty here and shoot some shots of video and do the stills because you only have one card in there. And how it breaks it all down, I tell you, our technology now is well. What's uh, neat is is this particular model has internal memory as well as external. It's got a 32 gig internal memory. Wow. Which is a lot, but you can. It takes CF, not CF, uh, SD cards, and depending on the size of SD card, right now uh, I have a four gig SD card in here, and I'm on the highest uh, res video. I get seventy min, seventy eight minutes of video I can shoot on this card, and if I go to stills, reading, uh, I can put six hundred ninety seven stills wow. on this that are that are uh, eight megapixels. At their highest uh, highest setting, the only um, disadvantage I see that of that camera, Craig, is uh, I see the manual that came with it. It looks <laughs> like know, it's a, like a phone book. A phone book. That's that's a dictionary of a couple of volumes. But what might make you feel better is only five one hundred eighty six are... pages of it are in English. Mean... <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, the rest of it is in something. It looks like Spanish. Hey Tim, have you had any uh, hurricanes or tornadoes? No, uh, sit down while we. Playing with this camera? I don't know if he's back. No, he had to go. Oh, he, he had did. to go. He says he'll be back in a few. Uh, Ted, we've we've talked about this uh, off the air and stuff about video. There's a discussion going on that I started in the uh, Flickr group about who who's out there shooting video at scenes. And you've you've shot a couple of videos at uh, that church fire in particular. How did that turn out for you? Not bad. I mean, it's that's really the first um, time I've shot video at a fire. Um, when I've had my still camera, I, I shot video years and years ago when the video cameras were still tethered to a giant deck. But uh, I, I bought a, a cheap, um, I think it's a Flip Ultra, and it's uh, a VGA quality video. It's not, you know, it's not spectacular, um, but uh, it's small. It's something I can put in the side pocket of my of my camera bag and. Just to do something a little extra if I have, you know, sometimes you're at a fire and things just aren't changing. You've got your shots, you cut some downtime, uh, you know, pull a video camera out and shoot a couple of minutes. So I did, I did shoot a few minutes or not even maybe two minutes total um, at that last fire I was at. But uh, I'm trying to get into the mindset to do it a little bit more, but I'm so programmed to the still camera that it, it, just like Ross said, it, it, and I think you said it too, you, you, if you're shooting stills, you're thinking, 
I want to shoot my stills. If you grab that video camera, all you're thinking is that would make a great still. Right. Um, and, and so it's, I almost get a little panicky. I'll shoot for a few seconds and then put that <laughs> camera away and go back to the, you know, I don't want to miss anything. Right. Um, so it's, it's going to be hard to, to split my brain a bit and, and have a little bit of thought towards, uh, getting some video footage too. But I'm, as I'm, I'm working into it, this is real new for me and it's, it's something I'm just starting to, to try and program myself to do. Hey, Ted, I do want to tell you, and I, and I think I commented on a previous show. Tim or Ted? Ted's I'm gone. I'm sorry. No. No, Ted is here. Ted, yeah, oh, Ted's God. Here, he, okay, we have to change names. <laughs> I have it written down here. Uh, okay. So, um, no, Ted, uh, I saw <laughs> your video. Cards. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, I saw your video of the church fire, and it still amazes me. I, I played it for my son, who him and I both work at a church, and a uh, rather large building. In fact, I had him go up and shoot Well, it sparked attic. a whole... Uh, project at, oh, at your church it sure to, has. to check for fire safety hazards. Fire safety and, and, and emergency uh, action plan and so forth. Your footage, it still blows me away in the short video that you shot that it was on a Sunday. It was an occupied sanctuary. Everybody got out safe. You, um, Your footage is great. Um, I showed that to, um, like I said, my son looked at it. We showed a church administrator and they, are, they were in awe with your video of just, I said, this is just a clip. That's how fast this fire can mm -hmm. move. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, you did a great job. Well, it, and you're right. And that's, I'm, I'm glad it, it's getting used for that. I mean, that's, again, we've talked about it a million times. That's why we shoot. It's one of the big reasons why we shoot is to get the word out there. Um, you know, fire safety for the public as much as for the firefighters themselves. And I, I was, amazed at how quickly uh, that fire moved. I mean, I've been to church fires before, um, but usually not that early. I get there later in the game, and I, I, I live in the same city where the fire was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and was there in 10 minutes, and it was already going through the roof. And, and as you said, this was a fully occupied church. There was well over 100 people um, at, at a service in the church at the time of the fire when the fire alarms went off. And, and, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the fire, that, that fire is already coming through the roof and you get those big open spaces and, you know, it's, it's getting oxygen from below and, and, you know, it just took off. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Ross. That's, that's, that's great. Cause it's, it's gotta, it's gotta resonate with, with folks, um, that, that they need to focus on their fire safety plans. Well, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Ted, um, you, um, church administrators, church, uh, elders and deacons, their mindset is, oh, fires don't happen at churches. Um, yet fires don't happen when you have this many people because somebody would notice it and so forth. And that's mm -hmm. what it really shows. And that's a good you point. Know, you show you showed uh, how quickly that it fire was going anywhere, anytime. Exactly, well, and that made them really go, wow. We've got a we've got a church locally that I know for a fact um, during the day when they have activities going on in the church they disable their fire alarm system because Ooh. it often in includes candles incense uh, you know various parts of the of the religious ceremonies and they don't want to trip the fire alarm well that's all well and good but I think their thinking is well we're here so we'll yeah. know if there's a maybe fire. they need to oh. see the video exactly it's that's not a bad idea it's and sometimes idea. video some some things lend. Uh, themselves better to a video format it shows a timeline it gives you the the sounds uh and and it, it puts it in perspective where stills there's no uh real timeline unless you're taking specific shots like one every second and can show the continuation the progress of a fire where video i mean you're it's like watching you're watching it on tv and it's unfolding in front of you and you really get a feel for how fast 
that fire advances through a, that's a building the word, like that. The, that's the word I was thinking of was speed because you know you don't see that in the still. Sure, if you if you go in and look at the uh, the EXIF data, you can see you know when the pictures were taken and say, oh gee, that was taken a, you know thirty seconds after that picture. So gee, you can get some idea of how quickly it was, but nobody does that. You show video and and you see how quickly that fire progresses. Whether it's a house fire, church fire, doesn't really matter. And that, yeah, it drives that message home even more. I'm just curious, Craig, with your new video camera, will can you? It, does it have a timeline? Can you see? Um, I don't know if that's just in the metadata or if you can display. I imagine most video cameras you can display the the time on uh, on the video. Um, but you know, I, I posed the question on Twitter to some interesting responses. Does the hey, with all the things this camera can do, including a 10 by optical zoom? And image stabilization, um, could this possi- something like this possibly replace the DSLR? And I'm going to take it out. I'm going to run it through it through its paces. I'll take some pictures with it. It seems, uh, but I mean, in reality, no. I'm guessing not because you can't change lenses. You can't. I, you know, uh, who knows? I don't know how this will be in low light. It's supposed to be very good. Um, but you know, I'm not going to be able to put it on manual exposure and 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 manipulate a shot. I mean, manipulate, but set it up the way I want it to get the desired result of a silhouette or, or uh, a shallower gate, depth of field or sparks. or something like yeah. that. You can go to manual focus and do some other several other things on this. You can go to aperture priority for the stills. You can go to shutter priority. You can do things like that. But wow. um, and it's and it's quite a, what I would call a hybrid solution. But uh, it's uh, something like this is a ways from uh, replacing a DSLR, and, and it's really an unfair comparison for me to. Put a, you know, try to compare them at this point, but I just happen to have them sitting next uh, ne- next to my G nine, my Canon G nine on my desk here, and they're it's really not much bigger than my G nine. You know, if you put them side by side, they're not that much different yeah. uh, in size. These uh, I got it from Amazon. It's about they're about uh, eleven hundred dollars right now for this. Uh, keep in mind that a spare battery is over a hundred dollars, <laughs> which I had wow. to order. I ordered a shotgun mic, but. Uh, you know, I, I dove into this. I've been meaning to do it for a while, and I finally did it. So we'll, and uh, you know, if I get when I get to incidents and have a chance to pull this out, I'll I'll, I'll definitely post the videos and the stills so everybody can see them and uh, get their own opinion. Uh, but I wanted to make sure to get a camera that was small enough to fit in my brush jacket pocket or a pouch or something. Because if I had a big one, then you're dealing with an either or situation. Am I going to drag this big video camera around or or not? This thing can easily go in a pocket. You know, and the reason I went real quick, reason I went to uh, the 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 flashed flash uh, drive kind of system, uh, takes CF cards. I keep saying CF; it's an SD card. It's the small one. Um, small. Is no moving parts, and I thought that would be important, especially at a wildfire, which is chances are where I'll be breaking this out more than more often than not. There's so much debris and dust and soot in the air. I've had video cameras in the past tape uh, that are tape based formats, and you get the dust or something on the heads or it gets on the tape and it gets clogged and then you have no video or something if, if something's wrong with it you have to change tapes i'd much rather have a couple of these little cards in my pocket and switch those out and not rely on moving parts uh in these kind of rugged environments these, this might get beat up it might not end up as pretty as it is now and i'm okay with that because it i do look at it as as my dslrs it's a it's another tool you know, it's not meant to be in a glass display case. What's nice about the size of it is if you have to take off and jump into your car, you don't have to open up the back of your truck or your trunk, lay it into its case. That's small enough to fit into a radio pocket. Yep. This or, can sit in the center console exactly, of my truck. Exactly. Right there. And I can yep. just grab it and get some stills. You know, the best camera is the one you have in your hand, right? <laughs> how, how, long is the, um, how long is the zoom? 
It's a 10 by uh, optical zoom. What does that work out to? Which is the uh, important part. Oh, you're going to ask me that, aren't you? Well, I'm just guessing equivalency. <laughs> I'm just curious. Just um, curious. And uh, the other thing I wonder while you're, while you're looking is uh, where it is so small, um, I'd be curious to see how you feel the uh, image stabilization works to counteract that. I mean, we're, the smaller the camera, the harder sometimes it is to hold that thing still. It, obviously a little bit more important for shooting your still images than than for video but i'd be curious to see how that performs yeah not sure about how what the uh, 10 by equivalent is if anybody out there has the answer uh, email it to us at podcast at firegroundaction.com or throw it in the form or something that's a it's a that's a, a good information i'm sure there's an answer to that exactly what it converts to but it's a 19 by 20 1920 by 1080 um high def I'm just looking at all this, the 32-gig internal. Um, nice. But it, I like the variable zoom because some of the smaller cameras, it's fast or nothing, and I like being able to control the zoom. And I picture that with a, you know, water-dropping aircraft going overhead where I want to be able to zoom in and pull out as it gets closer and, and, uh, and be able to control that. Yeah, it's got a big, uh, a big display, uh, the, the fold-out uh, screen on it. It's a, I mean, so far it it seems impressive. I haven't run it through its paces, but I wanted to get that out there. It's the Canon HFS ten. Well, you know, we have we experienced at Fire Service Day. People are glued to that monitor to watch a slideshow that we have set up to go, flop, 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 flop. You know, go through. Now with this, as we had learned from Tracy before, shooting stuff like this to show it to your local politicians at council meetings. When budget time comes around, sure. Exactly. It's another format. It's a very it's a more interactive format, I think. And you know, we talked to Al Simmons and you watch his videos, you know, at uh, Firestorm videos, and you just drawn into it. You get the sight, you get the sounds, like uh, episode fifteen of the show in the Triangle Complex Fire, I had the audio going and I recorded the audio and it gives a whole other layer to the experience for somebody that may not have stood in the middle of a brush fire. Uh, and the video adds that. The video kind of incorporates all that, I think. And, and I uh, bet it has stereo. It's stereo, absolutely. <laughs> stereo built-in mics. But I got that uh, shotgun mic to put on it uh, to make it more directional, so to maybe eliminate, if I'm taking stills with my DSLR at the same time, it'll eliminate that shutter sound because it's, it'll be right next to it. Um, and it'll have a windscreen on it. A lot of the internal mics on these cameras don't have windscreen. Right. So in a windy environment, it's just like a, a, a freight train running through, um, where I think the... Uh, that shotgun that comes with a windsock will uh, will help out big time on that. So I'll let you know. I have, Good luck. I have I have seen uh, more and more uh, fire uh, slideshow presentations that have incorporated video. And and Ross, you're you're right. It makes a huge impact. It's really uh, and we've all sat through slideshow after slideshow, whether it's fire service images or not. Um, and you kind of zone out. Um, depending on how long it goes. But when you throw video in um, and, and mix that with still images, it's, it's got that wow factor to it that really keeps people's attention and really holds them um, during that presentation. You get that audio and people perk up and say, oh, great, video, you know, yeah. and, and back to the stills, back to the video. And uh, Rick, uh, Rick Knoll, a friend of the show and, and a friend of ours, uh, Damian Drella, both have incorporated video um, into some of their presentations that I've seen in the past, and it, and it definitely has that wow factor. It keeps it interesting. That's a great point because I think uh, unless you're really good at putting together slideshows, uh, the, the pictures after a certain time can become more like wallpaper. So unless you, you, you're able to create a real interactive show and video can, it's going to keep people's attention. If you can mix them up, you can certainly incorporate stills and 
with video and, mm-hmm. and all that and make a real interactive slideshow. I think it just adds a whole nother, like I said, another dimension to it. I think the photography community is is starting to to embrace video a lot more anyways. I and mean, look at some of these sites like uh SmugMug and and Flickr um who are now adding the ability to upload video to their sites and and the cameras that are coming out now um uh, you know it seems to be a, a new popular uh, I guess some people would call it a fad. We'll see if it ends up being a fad or if it's something that's going to be more long term, but the cameras like the 5D Mark II and and uh, I, I know one of the, uh, at least one of the Nikon cameras and a lot of the other cameras being announced are all coming out with video capabilities and not just the old VGA video, but the high def video. Right. And so I think there's more and more photographers out there embracing the video. So I, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting um, year. I think this year is in particular is going to be real interesting to see how much that video really makes it into acceptance within that photography community because they're they're usually two different camps and i think that line's getting blurred i I think so too i've heard from a lot of photographers that say they're not buying another they won't buy another dslr unless it has video in it right and and i think with the uh the way the print market is going right now for a lot of uh media photographers um they're having to get creative they're having to do these these multimedia kind of arrangements uh just Mm -hmm. to get just to be more sellable, just to be more viable in a dwindling uh, occupation right now. Well, I think we just saw, in fact, on the Flickr group, um, I think it was AK Dave that said print room is um, right now, they, you, until June 30th, you can get a free canvas. A canvas. I'm going to do this because I haven't seen their canvas stuff. And, and all you got to do is pay for shipping. It, I want to see this. You go up yeah. eight foot big. If you have a print room pro account, there's a... This came out the seventeenth, so there's ten days left yeah, if you have a pro account to get a free sixteen by twenty canvas print. Oh, it is okay. Yeah, that's a good size. Yeah, it is uh, from PrintRoom.com. Uh, one more thing about SmugMug, since that came up, is and video is if you have a pro account with SmugMug, that also allows you to upload high definition video, higher quality video, uh, to to the site. And now uh, even YouTube has a high high quality video oh. uh, option to it as well. So I think in the long run, what I'm hearing is uh, if you're going to buy stock, any stock, even though the market's horrible, still invest in camera companies because even now, years ago when we said, oh, no more film, we now have digital, people are going to still buy Canon or Nikon. Canon is not going to go anywhere. Nikon is not going to go anywhere. Olympus isn't going to go anywhere. They're going to have to survive. They're going to have to go with the, the technology. The technology will change. But those companies will stick around. They're 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 they'll be able to maintain. You mentioned uh, AK Dave is actually Fireground Dave that put the uh, thing in the Flickr group about the print room deal going on right now. But AK Dave did have a great discussion, uh, or he uh, contributed to a great discussion that I think was started by uh, Andy Thomas, who's been on the show um, not long ago, and it's about posting fire photos on the internet. Um, this may end up being a show by itself because we're we're already uh, running uh, on our way to running a little long, but I think it's definitely worthy worthy of discussion here. And and both of you, uh, we were talking before the show, have some really good input on it. But the question uh, in the Flickr our Flickr uh, forum that Andy Thomas posted was what What is everybody's procedure and decision making process they use before posting photos to the internet? And that sparked a discussion that has been going on for a few months now. Um, with some great input uh, from our contributors, uh, one of which is A.K. Dave, who posted a few links recently that you've had a chance to look up. And can you tell us about uh, some of those? That I have, and I and I did read through um, quite a few of those discussions. 
because all over the United States you're going to get different opinions and so forth. One of the ones that AK Dave put up there a link to was the photographer's rights. And it's your rights and remedies when stopped or confronted for photography. And it's a little tiny piece of paper you can carry. Now, he's from Portland, Oregon. But if you read through, he puts down about a dozen. He has a book, in fact. Uh, he has written a book. He is an attorney. Uh, the gentleman that wrote this, it's uh, Bert uh, Crages, I believe it is. And he's written a couple of uh, different law pieces. Um, but this one on your rights, stuff you can carry in your pocket, like when you get confronted or hassled at a scene. One of those little things, hassled is maybe not the right Challenged. Word. Challenged by an overzealous security guard. And chances are, and we talked about this a bit, is is your the bigger run-ins you're going to have where this would come up is with private security guards, representatives at, of private uh, companies and corporations. They do have valid concerns on their end. It's important to note that a lot of the issues coming up is if you're on private property and you shot that picture and have posted it on the Internet, and that, that sparked a considerable uh, – um, stream or thread within this discussion about are you on private property and a particular company that saw some pictures uh, of a fire on their property on the internet. Right, and I recommend any of our listeners to go to the Flickr group, take a look at this discussion because there is a piece written by a PR person from a company that asked somebody to pull their pictures off. And I know Ted and I talked uh, before the show um you know, I've in my 35 years, I had somebody many years ago, a housewire, and the guy asked me politely that he didn't want him to run in the newspaper. But if they went to the department used for training, he didn't mind. You know, it's right like how many times, and I know you have heard it, Ted Dispatch has heard it, people will go, don't come with your lights and siren. I don't want my neighbors to know you're coming to my house. Well, it's, have you ever heard that before, Ted? Uh, oh, almost daily. I'm guessing he has. <laughs> it's the same type of thing. They don't want to open up their community newspaper and be exposed of their house fire, the the amount of damage or whatever. Mm -hmm. He he was a little embarrassed by it, I think, because how the fire started. And I then I felt because he came to me politely instead of in my face, you know, I was on the uh, on public sidewalk shooting it. You can't do this. You can't. And, right. Okay. Well, keep in mind, we're not talking about access to incidents here. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. We're not talking about the fire line, the police tape, and and, and tr trying to get access through a, a police roadblock or something. This is after the fact. After you've shot an incident, posted some pictures on the web, an interesting uh, concern came up from um, this business uh, that had had a fire oh, and saw the pictures on the Internet, um, they brought up proprietary issues, uh, industry very competitive, secrets. It was very a, competitive. a competitive business they're in, and they felt, uh, uh, just briefly, uh, that these pictures could uh, give their competitors an edge. They, they didn't necessarily object to the the fact that there were pictures, you know, that the incident occurred, that there were fire pictures or anything like that. Their concern was that within the pictures, the layout of their buildings were in there, of their manufacturing process, and they were afraid that competitors would see and get an insight as to how they, how their process went, how their manufacturing process was laid out, uh, which may be proprietary for that company. So it was more um, from an industrial kind of an uh, industry secret well, uh, a kind of uh, kind of angle they were concerned and they went about it in a very nice way they very, they sent an email or a letter to the photographer and explained you know that they appreciated the pictures they appreciated what they do and uh, that they show the fire department in good light 
And if you go to the Flickr group, you can see this whole letter that's up there. Um, but that went, then went into really justifying, okay, this is why we'd like you to take the pictures off. They're not going, we demand you take these pictures off just because. Uh, but they gave reasons why. And, and, it's, and they were compelling reasons. And you'd have to, as the photographer, step back and go, okay, this makes sense. I can see their, their angle and maybe the way they went about it. But We're out here in Southern California. You have Disneyland. You have Universal Studios. You have Magic Mountain. These are all conglomerates that things like this can hurt them. I just learned a couple of weeks ago there was a water sweep at an 18-story building here in Burbank. Happens to be 90% of that building is occupied by Disney. Even now, there were offices with nothing on the walls. You couldn't tell if I was at Disney or Farmer John. They had a problem with me shooting pictures only because it was within their building. And that's one of the things. There's things out there that these companies are real touchy about. We're out here with studios. We have had studio fires every couple of years. They're yeah. worried about that. Yeah. And, and Ted, you you weighed in on this subject. Yeah. I, I mean, I think <clears throat> you're... You, there are there are very strong opinions on all sides of this argument. Um, there's no doubt about that, and 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 hopefully maybe this will stir up some discussion, as you said in the in the discussion forum. Um, uh, I think the core issue is what are your rights under the law as a photographer? In other words, you know, shooting on a public way, public street, those sorts of things. You, know, you need to know. I think everybody needs to know that uh, as a photographer, whether you're shooting fire service or not, uh, or emergency services or not. Um, but then it's going to come down to how, where you stand, how you're going to use the images, and, and just basically what your personal uh, – I don't, want to, I don't want to call it ethics, but you, you know, how you choose to, to operate with people and whatnot. Uh, I, I mean if somebody presents an argument to you that's reasonable – um, that's going to be your decision to decide how you want to handle it. Uh, my opinion is if it's a reasonable request, I don't have an issue with it. Um, uh, that said, you know, if, if somebody asks me, don't, you know, why are you shooting? I don't want you to shoot that. I, I always try to explain well, wh why I shoot. Uh, and I'm, I don't shoot for the media. I, I have had some images in the, in the, uh, newspapers and whatnot from time to time. But, uh, I, I really shoot for the firefighters, for the fire department, and, and I try to explain that to people and that it is used for fire prevention, that it's used for fire education, that it's used for fire safety, um, that sort of thing. Um, and, and if they're still adamant about it, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm more inclined to acquiesce to them and, and say, okay, you know, not a problem. Don't worry it's about it. It's the same but, thing as shooting a, a, a patient, getting loaded into an RA or into a rescue ambulance or wherever, you know, where does that lens stop when they go in and start doing things? Think about it. It's your brother, your mother, your, your cousin, you know? Yeah. Some of our guys out there would shoot it. And what I see on the Flickr group, most of our guys that are part of the discussion, they take that in mind. Um, that's where the lens stops. You know, there's a privacy issue and we've learned shooting for departments, the HIPAA laws. But I think for us, uh, this is a good point. It is, and obviously based on the amount of discussion that's going on, we got a bunch of thinkers out there that are taking pictures, and this is something that's important. It it, it seems to be very uh, subjective in how you act, and you know, react accordingly. Just I would say, keep your your mind open, keep an open mind to this, and the, the fact that it might come up. Some photographers we know would say, "No, the heck with you," you know, it's legal, it's legal. Well, you know what? 
if that's why you want to react, react that way. But I'm more apt to go, well, let's talk about it. Why, why, what's your reasoning and all that? And how much is the picture worth to have on your blog or your website or something? Is it worth it? Or would you rather have good relations with this business, company, or uh, location down the road? You know, I, I look at that many times. I've been in Burbank now 50-some-odd <clears throat> years, and I have found I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving to wherever, you know, Pudunk, Iowa soon or anything. And my reputation in this city, I don't want it to be thrown around that I don't have I'm, – I'm heartless, I'm gutless. Right. And word will you get know. out. Oh. Especially in a smaller community. Exactly. And something real small like this can ruin your reputation to where if somebody wants to hire you to shoot a party, they go, well, his judgment there wasn't that great. you got to take this all in mind. And there may be legal issues behind it, uh, depending on what you've photographed. But uh, interesting website is this uh, attorney, Bert uh, Krajis, did we decide it's pronounced? And there's links on and the... There are, we'll put links in the show notes, but it's Krajis.com, K-R-A-G-E-S.com. He's got the legal handbook for photographers, the rights and liabilities of making images, uh, and he's got the the photographer's rights. He's actually got a book, which is on there, so it might be worth uh, checking out. Uh, but it's also important to remember that... Uh, this may not all apply in your part of the world. So check your local laws, your state laws and uh, ordinances, things like that, to see if you may have any limitations or rule, different rules that apply to you based on where you are. This may be a great reference, uh, but I, I, it may not apply everywhere. Well, I just, yeah, you know, Craig, uh, it, it's like anything else. Look at your role and what you're doing. Myself as a as a department photographer, I'm going to have a little bit different slant than a uh, than a, a freelance news media folk, and a different slant than a hobbyist. I obviously want the department seen in the, its best light, both in the images I, I release and also public relations. If someone uh, really doesn't feel I should be shooting, unless there's a, a, a an investigative point I need to push, I'll back down. How often has it occurred? maybe five times in 12 years where I'm on scene and someone objects. So I just I just back away. If it's for arson investigations or something else, we shoot away, but they're, they're internal. So think of what your role is. If you're just a hobbyist and you're out shooting, you know, the easy answer is stay on the public land and by and large, you're protected. But again, why get in a hassle? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a good time. You're not making your money with it. If you're really upsetting somebody uh, shooting those pictures, even if you're totally within your rights, maybe it's time to just, just back away and, and, and smile and keep everything happy. It's just not worth it. So, you know, keep that in mind, too, as, as you go out to these uh, different calls and, and assess just what your role is and what's to be gained by having the fight, even if, mm-hmm. even if you're in the right. Very well said. Very well said. And 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 that's it. It's your attitude coming in too. As we, I think we all know photographers who would say, "No, I'm well within my rights. Well within my rights. The heck with you." And and uh, you know that might not be the way. If you know for longevity's sake to go about it. I've seen that photographer in the back of a police car once or twice. <laughs> no. I'm I'm thinking too that um, it might be worth. Um, for folks, if they really want to look into this a little bit more, ask um, or, or search for an email address or contact person for their local press photographers association or chapter thereof. And, and I'm going to bet that uh, that they may have some good information, as, as you were alluding to, Craig. You know, check your local laws and your local regulations. That that might be a great way to find out if there are some some things you need to know uh, locally. Napa, uh, NPPA, National Association of Press Photographers. Um, is a big one. 
There are other groups. Yeah, very good. Uh, and uh, editorial, in. what is it? Editorialphotographers.com. Mm-hmm. That's still out there too. Uh, keep in mind, though, when you're reading that, that if you're, you know, credentialed media, you may have a d- different protections and different roles uh, than if you're shooting for a fire department or for yourself as a fire buff, what what have you. So, if you, you know, just keep that in mind if you're reading media-related uh, uh, websites for that information. Well, we got into a couple of heavy things today, but those are things that are, are if you notice, there are a ton of comments on the Flickr page. Well, you know, we, we took everything today from the Flickr discussion group, uh, and you can see we never have enough time to talk about it because and when we think we're going to talk about something for five minutes, it goes on for 40 minutes, uh, <laughs> and the end always sneaks up on us. But I'll tell you, uh, a great source of information is the Flickr discussion group. Uh, the group on Flickr is Fireground. That's us. That's the podcast. That's the listeners. That's the contributors. Uh, Flickr.com slash groups slash fireground. Now, you can go in there and, and uh, I look at the pictures without a Flickr account, but to get in the discussion group and view the discussions going on, you need a Flickr account. Uh, you just uh, you know get your free Flickr account, subscribe to uh, the fireground group. We'll let you in, um, and you can jump in on these discussions. There are... I don't, is that moderated, Craig? I moderate it. I thought so. Yeah, um, but I mean... For legal protection. Um, legal, yeah, you know, and read the rules. There are some rules when you get in there about fireground action photography. Just read some of the ground rules for the discussions and photo submissions. Um, we we look out for HIPAA-related uh, rules and privacy issues, things like that. So some pictures don't make it into the pool um, for those reasons. Uh, just not more, not as much to protect us, but to protect the people in the picture. I think the people in the picture and the photographer that shot it. Absolutely. Uh, we got over 1,200 pictures in the group pool right now, so you can submit your pictures for uh, critique, for evaluation. Uh, so don't, you know, you don't have to put your best stuff in. You can, if you're having, we've said it before, if you're having issues with your equipment, uh, with a certain technique, something's coming out wrong, throw it in there and ask the question, hey, what am I doing wrong? What, I'm, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm getting. And we have a lot of, as you can tell, great photographers in here uh, that'll lend their opinion. We've got over three, uh, we've got sixty-three discussions actively going on right now in the discussion group. Uh, they're all listed by topics. You can get, you can start your own if you got a question or comment. Um, somebody today is asking about uh, Ryan Babroff is asking about uh, camera backpacks and gear storage. Um, Fireground Dave talking about that free canvas print from Print Room. Uh, shooting video, internet posting of videos, smug mug uh, discussions, great discussions going on there. One of the things in there, Craig, this is a good way also. Um, I noticed some of the pictures aren't don't have cut lines or captions. And, you know, it's a great way to learn because if you submit anything to a paper, to a magazine, yes, a picture might say, uh, as they say, uh, one picture might be worth a thousand words. But if they don't know the who, what, when, why, and where, um, it's, it's really good to get in the practice of doing that. Um, and if you're putting pictures up on the Flickr group, give us a little background. It's really yeah. nice. Well, it, and like you said, it's good practice. I didn't even think about that, but if you're going to submit a picture, if you're going to submit a picture to a newspaper or a magazine, they're going to want some information. They're going to want some caption info. So it, it's good ex- training to, uh, get you to remind you at a scene, you need to get some information. Uh, but if you're going to post it, throw a little blurb about there. You know, you can might just put the title of the picture. But people, especially in our arena, when you put it up on the Flickr group, they want to know a little bit about the incident, maybe how you shot it, how you went about shooting it. So feel free to put a little dialogue in and there. And right there, throw your copyright. That way it's with that picture. Um, you know, when you go up, as we have learned from a, I would suggest you watermark your pictures if you're going to put them on, on Flickr. Yep. Now, you, can, you know, it's real easy. That copyright is uh, Alt-0169. I know with a... PC with Mac, it might be different, but, you know, always 
put that copyright on there. But as you and I have learned, Craig, you put something on the World Wide Web, anybody could take it, look at it, and do stuff. Yeah, and Flickr is right-clickable. So, you know, I know, Ted, you do it. I do it. You know, if you're going to post them on the Internet, they're going to be watermarked. Somebody can crop that out or do whatever. But, you know what, you keep the honest honest. If they want to take a a 2 by 3 72 DPI picture from me, go ahead, have at it. Put it on a billboard. It'll look like crap. Um, but, uh, Tim, you uh, wanted to make one uh, last comment about what we were talking about a minute ago? Hello, Tim. Uh-oh, must be. Did uh, we lose Tim again? Oh, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, just, okay. just one It's weathering thing. out. He's busy. <laughs> it's often overlooked, and that's training. I, I keep telling folks, you know, go to your training and get shots. But one of the nice things about training images is a lot of these restrictions everyone's worried about go away. You can do uh, fire pictures and release them to your heart's content. You can do simulated uh, victim pictures and release them to your heart's content. So I wanted to point out that training is, is really a golden opportunity for most photographers. Yeah, that's a good point. We talk about training pictures a lot, and that's another angle on it. Not only are they great for practice because you're practicing your shots in a controlled environment, you're able to get angles that you normally wouldn't at different uh, incidents. But, you, yeah, you have privacy issues don't really come into play. And uh, Ethics. You know, this is uh, on one of the things that uh, this gentleman wrote. We're talking about ethics today. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, one of the items that he covers in one of his books. But that's a good word to and it, keep. It says a lot for your uh, what's going to be your reputation out there as a, as a fireground photographer for sure. Um, I think we're uh, about out of time here. Um, any last comments from anybody before we uh, do our our goodbyes? Anybody? Anybody? No, I'm good. Cool. Okay. Uh, you know, the big thing is we remember as we winding down here, Craig, July 4th, fireworks, wear your protection. If you're out somewhere, you know, that brush jacket or eye protection, uh, as Al reminded wear us last hat. week. Oh, a hat. Definitely. Wear a hat. <laughs> um, but as Al reminded us, you get anything in your eyes? from wind or from fireworks or anything, you're done. And uh, try to be upwind from the fireworks if you're getting your shot. That way the smoke will blow away from you and not be in your foreground. Um, Ted Pendergast, how can people see your work, sir? Uh, my website is firstdophotos.com. I am on the Twitter at uh, firstdophotos, and that's probably the best way. Fantastic. Timothy Tons, if you're back with us now for the moment. I'm here and uh, two sites, uh, one perfectmomentphotography.com, and that's my generic site, does have a little bit of fire, and raro-photos.com, where my rail subjects are, which I shoot uh, equally often as I do the fire. Still um, uh, still have put off putting together the fire-related website, but we will get to that by the end of the year. You've been Twittering a little more lately, I see. A little bit, and uh, just hooked up the uh, iPhone for uh, testing, the one that was released yesterday. So who knows? Maybe that'll uh, have me do a little bit more as well. Tweety is a great iPhone app for using Twitter, and that's uh, Skyview WX, I believe, uh, is your handle on Twitter. We've got to get you some followers so you have some people to talk to out there. There you go. And I also have uh, Tim uh, Tonj as well, so I have both, and uh, both of them out there, and... uh, uh, yes, indeed. I'll have to go find that one. That's a new one. And Roscoe. Well, you know, I've uh, been real lucky uh, for many years using firepictures.com. That was a good grab a long time ago. That was many, many, many years ago, and I've kept it all along. So you know what? On the Twitter, I'm Twitter slash firepictures. 
And uh, the website, like Tim just said, you guys are, oh, you go back and he just said he, by the end of the year, I will redo that fire page and get up on Smugbug with which all Which year? Well, you had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just went ahead and build, build Bill Hartenstein a new Smugbug page to get him going. I'm, I, uh, am I going to have to do it for you, too? Yeah, you, yeah probably. But, oh, you know, yeah. I did say pick. Uh, we had a space shuttle go off or a rocket go off. Oh, it got bumped. Yeah, they scrubbed But the it. rocket went off. The Bill. rocket, yeah, the satellite went off. The shuttle is still sitting there. Yeah, so, so Billy Blastoff has been in uh, with Gene Blevins in in Florida. I think they're still there. Yeah, uh, the shuttle got launch got scrubbed for until I think maybe next month is their next window. But they did get a, a rocket launch from there. So check their websites for uh, related photos. We'll have them back soon, or Bill back. We'll get Gene. Gene has yet to be on the show. I have real to strap him down to a chair. Real enjoyable having Tim and. Uh, Ted with us today. I As mean, always. I, I, always, uh, we, we get into some conversations. And these guys have years of experience. And I'll tell you, every time, Craig, I walk away from this show, I'll go shoot something this week. I'll think of something from this show or from one of our previous. And I've been going in lately listening to some of our first shows. Um, you can I listen get them to all. them all the time. They yeah. come up in the in the shuffle in my car on the iPod. And I, I don't know. It's like I wasn't even there. You know, I listen to them again, but I I dare say we've got about 100 years of experience here on the show today, and we're glad to have it. Um, as always, send us your emails, your questions, your comments, concerns. As you see, we may may uh, get around to reading them on the show. If you want to send your question or comment in an MP3 format, uh, we might uh, just go ahead and play it on the show. And that address is podcast at firegroundaction.com. As always, the home of the podcast is firegroundaction.com. Uh, and all the links you'll need are right there. You can also find the uh, show notes for this and every episode we do, which will have all the links we mention and emails and Twitters uh, and all the related uh, episodic information, a little blurb about the show, um, will be there. If you want to follow me, I am Craig Derling at Twitter, so twitter.com slash Craig Derling. The podcast is also there at Fire Photos. Uh, great source of information, uh, not only from uh, our Twitter but from the people that we follow. Uh, we follow some great companies, some fire organizations, agencies, uh, government agencies, um, retailers, and, and, and all that. So, so, you know, check out who we follow, too. It's a great, great source of information. And uh, once again, we'll thank Ted Pendergast and Timothy Tons for joining us this week. Until next time, everybody, be safe out on those fire lines and have a safe Fourth of July. And we'll see you next time on Fireground Action Photography.